Hey everyone, and welcome to the Healthy is Hot podcast. I'm your host, Chloe Wild, TV host by day, sweatpant connoisseur by night, and a health and a life coach always. Come hang out as we have raw, real conversations with badass individuals living passionate lives, thriving to make their dreams come true, and diving deep into how they got to where they are. And the best part? How health is a key component of all of it. From the highs to the lows, we get into into it. From fitness to mental health to aspirational careers, get ready to be inspired. Also, we don't hold back. There might be swearing. There's definitely going to be some laughing. And hopefully you can take something away from these conversations to live your best life, to live your healthiest hot life. This conversation honestly could not come at a better time because I'm feeling uber pregnant and uber anxious about being a mom and being a good mom and raising a good human in this world. So Natalie, I'm so excited that you're here with us today to impart all your wisdom and experience as both an entrepreneur and a mom of four. Yes. Yes. Mom of four. It was the mom of four boys. I mean, we had like, it was, you know, we had two boys and then my husband and I sat down and we were like, okay, you know, should we have another? And we were like, yeah, okay. I'm from three. He's from four. And I was like, three will be good for me. And so we got pregnant and then I felt really different. Like I felt totally different than the first two. And I thought, oh, it's gotta be a girl. And so then we went to the ultrasound, you know, that first ultrasound you go to and Andrew came with me, which was weird, like third time around, because normally, you know, the third time it's like been there, done that. Yeah. And they were like, yeah, there's baby A and there's baby B. And we were like, excuse me, like total shocker. And then we didn't find out what we were having because we thought, oh, you know what? Like healthy baby, whatever will like, will be kind of weird and crazy. And so like, you know, when I delivered the first boy came out and they were like, you have three boys. And then the fourth boy, they're like, yeah, four boys. I'm like, oh my gosh. Okay, here we go. <laughs> I'm about to be a boy mom for the first time to one. Um, I, like, what kind of adventure am I in for as a boy mom? Oh, it's the best. I mean, a mom, any mom, yeah. girl, boy, whatever. Like, it is. I have to tell you where you're at right now. Like when you said seven months, for me, it's like for me, it was like Christmas morning. Like I love that anticipation leading up to meeting this new human that's going to be a part of your life. Like it's the most beautiful, wonderful thing. I'm just, I'm, whenever people tell me they're getting close to having a baby, I'm like, Oh, oh like I actually get giddy. I love it. Which it's is amazing. good. That's good. If you still feel that way after four, then I feel like yeah. that gives me hope for one. It does. Um, I love that. I mean, that must make the work that you do at Mindfully even that much more impactful, like getting to see firsthand what it is like to have so many little ones in today's world, which is full of stimulation, left, right and center technology, stressors. Like we live in a really intense time. And I think, yeah. you know, mindfulness and meditation is something we often talk about amongst adults, but it's kind of nice that the conversation's changing and it's being geared towards the little ones and the next generation as well. Yeah. You hit the nail on the head. I mean, 20 years or maybe like 15 years ago, we weren't doing yoga for kids. Now we are. I mean, there's yoga stuff everywhere. And so why, if we're realizing it's so good for us, learning about our breath, the power of our breath, learning about what it means to be, I call it like whole body well. And so our whole body, why can't, why should we not do that for our children? And what's really cool about teaching it to kids is that when kids learn things, when they're little, we're creating those neural pathways really early on. So, you know, we're now learning about the benefits of mindfulness, meditation, mental fitness, mental health 
But we're kind of also having to like go back through all the stuff that we went through, all the kind of, you know, baggage that all of us all have um, and sort of like try to go backtrack a little bit with kids. What's really cool is we can like actually start them at a baseline where they're learning this, this verbiage, this language, and they can just grow into it. And so they actually are starting at at a way different baseline if we teach this to them when they're young than we ever were. So they don't have to come so far down to figure it out as they get older. Older, they kind of already know it, you know? Yeah. For us adults, we have to unpack a lot of mess before yeah. we start building oh. new neural pathways. It's a lot harder as an adult, not impossible. Yeah. It's definitely still worth doing, but definitely yes. poses a lot more. There's more of an uphill battle. I feel like as adults, because we carry so much lived experience, good or bad. Totally. It's so true. And, you know, I think about it a lot, like the way I like to think about it as parents is like, so let's say we have like three pillars that we focus on as parents, just like as a whole, I kind of, I call them like my mindfully pillars. And the first one is, let's say uh, physical fitness. So physical fitness is like anything related to physical with your, your body as a child. So we take our kids to basketball games and soccer games, and it's really good for the body because it's good for your cardiovascular. Uh, it's good for community, all the things that physical fitness is important to do with our children. Another bucket is education. So we have, you know, we've taken our kids to school. We saw through the pandemic how challenging it was when kids didn't have school. So we know that school is a really, really important sort of pillar in our life as a parent with our children. And then this third bucket is mental fitness. Mm -hmm. And when we look at that bucket, it's sort of like, hmm, what are we doing to help support our children's mental fitness. And I had this realization when I was sort of thinking about what I was doing here with Mindfully and starting up what I'm doing. And I thought, you know, we spend a lot of time and a lot of money in physical fitness and in education. And we wouldn't put our children, let's say in a let's say a hockey, because we're Canadian, we wouldn't put our kids in a hockey game if we'd never given them the opportunity to practice the game. We'd sort of take them out on the rink and show them the puck and the net and how it works. Same thing with education. We would never give them a test, let's say, on multiplication if they'd never had the opportunity to actually practice the multiplication before the test. But with mental fitness, we don't really do anything to practice it before game time. So these other first two buckets, we we practice them proactively so that kids are set up for success for when it's game time. But with mental fitness, we kind of wait, 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 wait till there's a problem like anxiety, eating disorder, all the other stuff that we all kind of have dealt with in our lives, which inevitably can come on. Um, but we don't practice that proactively. So what I wanted to do was start thinking about how can we bring mental fitness up to the level of physical fitness and education and start practicing this proactively so that we can set ourselves up for success when we really need it. Oh, and for anyone who's listening, who's like mental fitness, I'm so, I'm sorry. I've heard of mental health before. Like what is mental fitness? And you know, I, it's obviously so incredibly important, but no matter where we're at in life, is it something that we should be focusing on and honing our skills in? Yeah, totally. I'm obsessed with mental fitness. And this is coming from a girl who was obsessed with physical fitness. So, you know, I've really, I like to compare mental fitness to physical fitness. So even if we look at terms like, for example, 
physical agility. So we know that physical agility is like, let's take a tennis player who's like doing fast, short spurts, you know, to, to be they're moving their arms and their legs quickly from a stop to a start. Well, mental agility is similar. It's for example, learning concepts, like slowing down to learn a concept, let's say learning about deep breaths. So how do we do deep breaths? How do they feel in our body? So when it's game time, we can sort of speed up to be able to know what's there that we can access that same thing mental flexibility sorry physical flexibility like yoga we stretch our arms and legs we get in kind of uncomfortable positions and we kind of push our bodies just a little bit to sort of gain muscle mass or gain you know length or strength or whatever we're doing same thing with physical flexibility that's where we're sort of putting ourselves in a situation where maybe we're practicing a loving kindness meditation and we're kind of stretching our our mind a little bit to sort of think about someone something that maybe we have a challenge with, but maybe we can start to practice some loving kindness that can be a little bit uncomfortable, but it's this idea of strengthening our mental muscles. And there's some really neat ways that we can teach children about mental fitness. But I think for parents, you know, I think sometimes the term mental health, we hear over and over and over again, and we tend to get a little desensitized to it. That's why I like to talk about this in terms of mental fitness, because I like to compare it to physical fitness. We get that. So it's this idea of like strengthening our mental muscles. And, you know, even when you have a child, like teaching them mental resilience. So resilience is another beautiful concept for kids. You know, if we physical resilience is, let's say we're out doing something and we fall, a child falls and cuts their knee open. And then, you know, they've got a band-aid and they can't do it. They can't do the sport they wanted to do. And they've got to sort of rest and they've got to be resilient and get through it. Mental resilience conversely is let's say a child is having a meltdown because which they all have, we're not talking about mental fitness to stop <laughs> meltdowns. And you'll see Chloe, <laughs> when you have children that meltdowns happen and they happen a lot. What we're not trying to do is get rid of meltdowns, but what we're trying to do is shorten the refractory period of how they get through that meltdown. So that is mental resilience. And how do we do that? Well, we teach them different different ways to strengthen their mental fitness. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask. Like, it's great to know that mental fitness is important, but I feel like for me as like an upcoming mom or for my friends, who I see our parents, like the practical applications of what it means to have a kid who is, you know, mentally fit and mentally resilient, like what does that look like in the real world? And I think a tantrum is such a great example. It's not necessarily going to make them go away. That would be amazing. This would be yeah. like- business in the world, Um, but it does still have, you know, real life applications that people can see and feel. Um, So that way it's extra motivating to actually show up and, and, and do this and to sit down with your little one and focus on this. Yeah, totally. I mean, there's ways that I like to teach it. Some of them are like, so we talk about feelings. Let's talk about feelings and let's talk about the difference between doing something and feeling something. So you can take deep breaths, and be like, when are these going to be over? When am I going to be done? Or you can like, you can feel it. And I like to talk to children about, you know, I talk with my boys specifically about, you know, feelings aren't necessarily good or they're not bad. They're uncomfortable. Some of them are more uncomfortable than others. Some are more comfortable. And I talk about them sometimes as visitors in a house. So feelings don't actually live in your home. 
just like you live in your home. We live in our body. And feelings are sort of like that play date that comes to your house and they knock on the door and they come inside and they want to play with your favorite toy and you have to sort of sit there and let them do it. Or, you know, in our house, when we have a play date's over, they get to have the dessert first. And so you have to say, oh gosh. And, you know, it's it's uncomfortable. And you have these, these play dates that come over into your house. They invade and they make you feel uncomfortable. But guess what? They don't live in your house. They go. So it's this idea of talking about our feelings that we can actually like weather them. We can endure them. They're not us. And and when we, we didn't learn that when we were kids, you know, we were sort of like, if anything's uncomfortable, do whatever we can do to pacify it, you know, have candy, have a, have a, a whatever we did to pacify, throw yourself in front of a television. Back then it was like, you know, <laughs> trying to think of the stuff we did. It was crazy, but like- I know, I know. It's, there's no, there's no a- iPads when we were growing up. No, it's, like what did we like, do, Chloe? <laughs> a lot of candy. I'd say like a lot yeah. of box TVs and VCRs. Yeah, right? Like, and so it was like this pacify, like don't feel uncomfortable, but we want our kids to feel a little uncomfortable. It's okay because that sets them up for- inevitably the things that are going to happen in life. Another way that I like to talk about teaching kids mental fitness is honestly teach your child about the power of their breath. And I'm telling you, it's magic. As a mother of four boys who, no word of a lie, two days ago, were water skiing in our pool. Our boys are not walking around zenned out. Like these are four boys. I actually told them the other day that they could actually start a YouTube channel. They are like dude perfect in like four boy, like they're, <laughs> they're hilarious. And the things that my kids now can do that they access with their breath, and I'll give you an example. I have so many, but we could talk about them forever. I'll give you just the most recent one. So we just flew back from Europe from a family vacation, and we were coming over the Atlantic, like onto the uh, onto like the eastern or out, like um, Nova Scotia, like the province or the out, out east. And the pilot put the, you know, the sign on that we're going to hit some turbulence. And so our one son gets really plain sick. Like he gets headaches, he gets nausea, all the stuff. So we're coming across and all of a sudden the plane, you know, starts bumping around. And he looked at me, he said, mom, I'm getting a headache. And I just looked at him and he laid against me. And all I said to him was, you know what to do, right, Dax? And he just... Exhales longer than inhales went right to his breath. Didn't even like no crying, no nausea, no dizziness. He just honed. He went right in, and then he he did his breathing so beautifully that he completely fell asleep, completely peacefully. Slept for like forty five minutes. Woke up like a new guy, and I was like, "This is magic!" Like you teach. I could tell you about other examples of like things that they've been able to get through physically where they've been nervous, scared, upset, and they go to their breath and then they're able to, to bounce back from it. They're able to achieve something physically by using their breath. And all of a sudden, instead of cheering at our kids for like, oh my gosh, amazing goal in hockey or amazing soccer goal, we're saying we're now reinforcing to our children. Wow. Like when Dax woke up from his nap, I looked at him and looked at him right in the eyes. And I said, you know what you did there, right? You we're so mentally strong. Your breath. And he was like, mom, I know it was my breath. So now we're creating these neural pathways that as they get older, they know that they can go there and you have your breath with you all the time, right? You always have it. Was that like an uber proud mom moment for you? Oh yeah. Like, yeah, (laughs) yes. That's when you're like, okay, what I'm doing is working. Cause sometimes, you know, and you'll find Chloe as you know, once you become a mom, 
you know, you're doing things and you're trying so hard to do the right thing. And we all are trying to do the right thing. And what I'm, what I'm trying to talk about with mental fitness and kids is like, you know, I want to set people up for success. So all I'm trying to do is plant the seeds right now. So just have the conversation or just start like asking your kids, oh, you know, let's talk about the difference between mental fitness and physical fitness. Like, what does that mean? And it's that it's even the conversations that we didn't have set them that much higher than where we were, you know? Oh, also, how, may I ask how old Dax is? That he's yeah, like, he's nine. He's oh one of the, one gosh, of my twins. Nine-year-old, yeah. like able to self-regulate during turbulence on a flight. Oh, yeah. Imagine, it's really cool. Imagine, like, I think we're both pretty cool. But imagine like how much cooler we'd be if we were taught this when we were kids. Like the things, like I can only imagine like the sky's the limit because obviously life is full of ups and downs. There will be struggles. There will be challenges as there should be. It can't always yeah. be sunshine and rainbows and you get through it. But the way I have gotten through some of my bigger challenges or it wasn't always the healthiest coping mechanisms. And I'm just like thinking back and I'm like, man, I wonder where I'd be in life or how I'd feel, you know, if I had these skills from a younger age. Now as an adult, I try very hard to be proactive with my yeah. mental fitness and it makes a big difference. But I can only imagine, you know, like I'm 34. Like what if I had learned this stuff when I was nine, like Dax? I know. It's really beautiful. It's a life skill. My 13-year-old my said the other day, because we were away and he was having some trouble sleeping and he likes sort of the breath work stuff. And he said to me, you know, mom, I've been thinking about it. And learning this stuff is kind of like learning a language. Like it's sort of like learning a whole other like way of thinking. And the reason I I like to talk about my family and me is that this isn't like, we're not that typical, like walk around, like I said, Zendo people. Like we are like your everyday, my kids are in every sport. We do all the stuff, too much stuff. Um, but I think it's so important to bring it back. And, and uh, you talking to them about whole body fitness, like whole body wellness, like just because you can't see it. Yeah. Just because you can't see your hands and your eyes and your ears and all of that doesn't mean that that we ignore it. Like it's all really important to to stay fit. And you know, professional athletes, if if you want to even compare it to that way, a lot of really amazing professional athletes have a mental practice. So I feel like they have to. Yeah, you do. Like maybe they don't talk about it as I'm in. And now, thankfully, the conversation is becoming way more prevalent. But I, I can't imagine you can be a physical like professional athlete without having mental grit, resiliency, strength, agility, flexibility, um, mm -hmm. because they face such extreme conditions. And if it's good for a professional athlete, then I say <laughs> I'll take it. I mean, another way to teach mental fitness too is through guided imagery. And so things like, um, you know, storytelling and, um, and, and sort of closing your eyes in and listening to meditations or listening to, um, you know, especially stories where the child is actually the main character and they're actually feeling and listening to what's going on. These are really, really important things too. There was a study out of UCLA, a, a pediatrician um, named Lonnie Zeltzer did, and she actually looked at guided imagery in the form of guided meditation was actually comparable and able to shift children's pain perception. She focuses a lot on pain, but shift their pain perception away momentarily. And this was comparable even to pharmaceutical interventions like morphine. So it's really, really powerful. The power of the mind is amazing. But when you're a child, there's a reason why we learn to ski, why we learn to ride bikes, why we do all these things. I mean, you start skiing at the age of, you know, 
40, 30, it's a lot scarier than when you start when you're six, you know, or riding a horse. Like, you know, there's certain, there's a reason why we teach these things when, when we're little. And so that's why I, I want to start, you know, instead of waiting, 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 let's be proactive. And, and I actually truly believe that we can change if we teach this and we have these concepts to these young children, we can literally change a generation. I mean, we might, it's, it's always a slow burn, this yeah. stuff, but if, if they learn it and they teach it to their kids and it goes on and on and on, we have this really, um, I don't know, beautiful legacy that we can instill in our children. And I think it's just wonderful. Oh, I mean, how did you even start mindfully? Like, where did that story start? Yeah, it's random. I was the 29th person in Canada to be diagnosed with COVID. And so I had gone, gosh, yeah, that's my claim to fame. (laughs) It was crazy. And so I'd come back from um, a trip with some girlfriends to Colorado and I came back and wasn't feeling so hot. And my husband was like, you might have that virus. And I was like, no, I don't. And he said, yes, you do. And to make a long story short, I did ended up being locked in my room for 11 days. Didn't leave my bedroom. And like the kids and my husband were outside of my door. I didn't see them. Like my kids were losing their first teeth and, you know, all these things were happening. And back then it was scary, Chloe. Like it was like, not, you know, I, I smile about it now, but at the time it really, really affected me. And I realized in that moment that, you know, I was really physically fit, but I was not very mentally fit. I was not prepared to deal. I mean, we all were going through a lot at that time, but I was scared because everyone was worried about getting this virus that was maybe going to kill you or who was going to, no one knew it was going to happen. I didn't know if the next day I was going to grow up with like a green arm growing out of my head. I mean, who knew, right? And I had this virus that everyone was so scared to get. And then I was worried that my kids were going to get it and we didn't know what would happen with kids. And then I had all this guilt. And so I actually ended up having to talk with a therapist. I had a little bit of PTSD after it. Um, and my therapist was actually more of like a mindfulness coach. And I got into meditation. I got into mindfulness, like hardcore. Like I just went there cause I couldn't do anything physical. I was quite sick. Um, and it just like was, it was amazing. And I remember this exact moment I was in the bedroom in the, looking out the backyard window and the four boys were jumping on our trampoline. And I thought to myself, I need to teach my kids how to get through stuff like this more. Like I can't, I need to teach them this. This is like a, this is really important. And so that's where it all came from. I started writing meditations and recording them. I am a yoga teacher. I did a whole bunch of meditation training. I'm still doing lots of courses all the time. And, um, I focus specifically on children. So I started writing all these meditations and playing them for the kids. And then I, you know, ended up developing a, a whole business around it and a product around it. And, and it's been really amazing. It's been a journey that I will tell you, I never set out to be doing what I'm doing now. It fully just landed right in my lap. And I don't know if you've ever had, like, for me, it was almost like all of the puzzle pieces went and just fit. And I was like, Oh, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. Okay. I feel this feels peaceful for me. And so now that's where I'm at. And it's really cool because I get to work with, because I I had, I had some guilt working with the four boys, you know, and, and it's a lot, our house is very busy. We have a lot of stuff going on, but what's really cool is I'm actually consulting with them all the time. They're like my little test tube guys, you know, I'm like, what do you think about this meditation? Or what do you think about this? And it's really fun because we get to work on it together as well, which is cool. 
Gee, so what was life like before you became the 29th person in Canada? To- <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I worked for Pfizer for many years. I was in, worked for a pharmaceutical company for many years. I was always big into wellness. So, um, you know, really, to be completely honest with you, we had four kids in four years. And so yeah, we had my mom. Yeah, I was home. Jeez. I was really home. My husband was working a lot. And I was, you know, I remember at one point I was tandem nursing the twins. I had a giant breastfeeding pillow and I had both of them. Like I taught myself, I had two options. It was either nurse them at the same time or do it separately. But if I did it separately, it would mean I was nursing you'll see once you have the baby that you kind of at the beginning have to nurse them every like two and a half to three hours. So I would have just been like a walking around restaurant, you know? And so I was like, no, I am going to figure out how to tandem nurse. And I remember sitting there on the couch and tandem nursing and my two-year-old walked up to me and he said, mommy, I want to pee in the potty. And I looked at him wearing his diaper and I was like, no, sweetheart, you can go in your diaper. We'll deal with that later. Most Mom's parents busy. would be like, yeah, but I was like, I can't, I can't even do that right now. So we had, it was very busy for a while. And of course that was when they were little, but then as they got older and, and things got busy, I finally feel like, you know, for me, when this started, it was when all of a sudden the kids were at a point where I like to be busy. I like to always be go, go, go. Um, and it's why I started a meditation practice myself because my brain is not, I, my husband has a Buddha brain. He's like naturally chill <laughs> all the time, but I'm not. And so I realized that I needed to work at it because the benefits for me were so beautiful and so impactful. So I, when I started doing that, I realized, wow, I just need to do this with my kids. So for you personally, what, what are your like top meditations that you love? Like, do you just meditate on your own? Are you relying on other companies and resources? And what are the benefits you feel in your own life as like a busy mom, who's also a boss now changing the world? Like you got a lot going on. I, I feel like meditation and mental fitness is kind of like physical fitness in that if you keep it, at a certain, like if you practice it kind of regularly, like let's say, okay, you are um, physically keeping your body in, in somewhat, you know, you're trying to stay moving and trying to get regular movement in. It's easier than if you take a whole bunch of days off and have to start again. So if you're at a certain baseline, I feel like that really helps you. And so for me, I started meditating through a Deepak Chopra app that a bunch of my girlfriends and I did a challenge and it was really cool. We had to write back and say day one done, day two done. So we had that kind of accountability. And then I started my own group and I started doing my own meditations and then they would write back. And so that's why I really got into it really deeply. I have a yoga teacher that I will follow to the ends of the earth. He is my like everything. And he moved to Australia a couple of years ago, which was so sad, but through the pandemic, some of the silver linings, he started an online platform. And so he does a lot of meditations on that as well. I do a lot of my own stuff now. So now that I've gotten into it myself, I have like my own, my own mantras, my own things. I do a lot of walking meditation. I'm big into Dr. Joe Dispenza. So I, I'm kind of like a a repertoire. A lot of stuff. And and I, I I go with the flow. Like I, I make sure I always, I always take time for it, yeah. but I don't get, um, part of my issue in my past was being too structured with everything. And sometimes, um, for me personally, and everyone's different for me, I like to kind of 
just think about what does my body feel like right now? Do I want to do a walking meditation? Do I want to lay down when I meditate? But I like to usually try to do it around the same time. And for me, it's like first thing in the morning. That's like yeah, important. I love it. I love that there's structure, but there's still room for flexibility, yeah. you know, because some days you might be craving something else, but if it's a non-negotiable, it's a non-negotiable within a space that you can show up as you are that day, which I think is so great because I'm all for rules and structure, but it can't be so rigid that there's like no room for a day where you feel like doing it in bed or a day where you feel like multitasking and going for a walk. So you started this. I also like, I'm, I'm so happy you got through COVID by the way, (laughs) because like that was a wild and I can't even imagine the anxiety and uncertainty. I also think it's like so beautiful, that sometimes in life you can hit a wall or a dead end or feel like you've just hit rock bottom or you're surrounded by like so much anxiety and uncertainty. You don't know if you'll ever get out of it. And then out comes this like beautiful, you know, company and entity and brand and impact that, you know, you could have never really imagined before COVID. And like, now you come mindfully, like this just, life is so unpredictable. Like you can be on one path, life throws you a curveball. And if you are lucky enough to see it, take advantage of it, see that door being opened, like you never know what lies on the other side. And I think it's so incredible that like, You not only showed up for yourself and learned about mental fitness, but now you're sharing it with the, with your own personal kids and then taking it a step further and bringing it to the masses in like the cutest way possible, by the way, like, I want to talk about Tate for a second, like Mm -hmm. introduce the healthiest hot community to Tate. Yes, totally. It was really funny when I started uh, doing meditations for my boys and I would play them, they would, you know, I started looking online. I was like, I I never, like I said, never wanted to start a business. I just wanted to look online and find something that my kids could use to learn about mindfulness and meditation. That wasn't like a Deepak Chopra that was too adult, you know? And so I looked online and there's some amazing apps that are at the Calm app, amazing, like Headspace. These are all amazing, amazing apps. Um, For my kids specifically, what I found was something was missing. And I realized that one of the things that my children love is they love cuddling with their plush, their stuffies. They love them. And and really, if you look at the research behind children and plush toys, I mean, the amount of research behind how much it creates a sense of security, how it makes them feel safe. These are, there's some really, really, um, you know, robust information behind that. So I thought, "Mm, I'm going to do a meditation to get them to hold their stuffy. And then I took it a step further and thought, hang on, what if I put a little speaker inside the stuffed animal and the stuffed animal actually speaks to the children. So all of a sudden we're creating this really beautiful sensory interaction. And so sensory meaning we're stimulating olfactory. So the way it works is, um, I should say, before I explain the sensory, the way it works is um, Tate or meditate, but Tate for short is a little plush puppy and there's a speaker inside its belly. And I have an app called Mindfully. And when the app is connected to the speaker, it's kind of like a Peloton bike. So with Peloton, you have the bike and then you have the online content. The same thing with Tate and Mindfully. So the online content is on Mindfully and we have a ton of different meditation um, categories. We have our meditations library. There's ones about adventures and affirmations and there's ones about the world and school and, you know, tons of different things. There's breathing meditations and Tate has four little paws that have little shapes on the paws. So children can learn about box breathing or triangle breathing or star breathing. And Tate also has a little heart on its chest where you can put essential oils. So 
um, you know, you can have that like really beautiful olfactory stimulation. So, you know, we have tactile, we have olfactory, we have auditory, we have visual. And so what I found is when we stimulated all these sensory things, children were much more able to go inside, be able to feel calm, to be able to really hone in to their inside body superpowers. And I talk in the meditations about your inside body, your outside body, your superpower breath. But Tate is the one who's delivering the meditations and Tate goes on all these inside body adventures with you. And so that's where I came from. And it's been really amazing. There's actually a new category of toys that's um that's coming out right now and and you'll learn this as you as you um have your son and you get into this but there's been a category of toys for a long time quite called stem toys or steam toys and they stand for science technology um math and so these toys are really focused on this category and they're very important there's a new category of toys that just came out really after the pandemic that is this this group is really trying to push this and it's absolutely beautiful they're called mesh toys and it stands for for mental, emotional, and social health. And it came as a result of really an emergency in the from the pediatric, it started in America from the American um, Pediatrics Association and now in Canada as well, where we were looking at like really high rates of childhood depression, a lot of issues coming out of the pandemic. And the toy industry sort of said, gee, we need to to really support kids. We know that kids learn through play. And it was really evident that parents were actually starting to be much more focused on their children's mental health than they were even their children's academic health. Mm -hmm. And so parents are really thinking, gee, I, you know, I want my child to to be mentally secure and feel okay. Cause we know that when children feel that way, they learn a lot better. You know, a child who's mentally feeling good about themselves will be much more open to learn much more open to be okay with failure, much more open for all of these things um, be empowered. And so these mesh toys help support um, this whole category. So it's really beautiful and a really cool initiative that's, uh, that's starting up right now. Okay. So how young can I start my future kid on Tate? (laughs) So I have people are going to be like, I'm going to need mesh toys everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. They're so good. I mean, really it's amazing what the toy industry has done to sort of come out and, and we've actually focused what we're doing with mindfully and Tate is we've done a lot with, with hospitals and pediatricians. We're working a lot right now um, with this group because parents are going to their pediatrician and saying, my child's having anxiety. What do I do? And parents don't really have the tools. And so, you know, pediatricians are are standing behind what we're doing which is beautiful but you know how young can can a child start on tape i think a child can start as young as you possibly can i think even listening to calming music is beautiful i mean one of the things we're going to start doing with tate is we're going to launch at um tate sounds and we're going to have like you know the the white noise the brown noise the sounds of water the sounds of thunderstorms all those things so you can start a child as young as you want. In terms of the content for Tate, you know, I started it saying age four to 12. That's still yeah. my sweet spot because they get it a little bit more. We have children as young as two that have used Tate. I mean, every child's different. Yeah. Um, so, and we have children, you know, uh, well, I've had, I've been, I've sold Tate to grownups. I mean, people who are like, I just want a Tate. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> I've even sold Tate to a couple of people's dogs. So, I mean, you know, it's, it's really, it's up to you. But my sweet spot with, with this is like, you know, I think 
four to 12, but I still think that that young age group, especially when we get those sounds out and just having a really cute puppy in your room to just play that beautiful music, you know, music has been shown to be really, really beautiful for children, especially relaxing music. And um, so, yeah. Oh my gosh. I, you're incredible. I, I can't thank you enough for doing this. Like, especially as like a mom to be, I feel like this is such important work and like the next generation has a lot ahead of them. And if we can set them up for success so that they can not only crush it on the hockey rank or in their math test, but in their life test, I mean, who knows what's going to happen in this world? Like once they become adults. So, I mean, totally. I, thank you so much for sharing your expertise, for telling us a little bit about what's to come. Um, I can't wait. I can't, like, I feel so inspired and grateful for your time right now. Well, thank you. I think, you know, uh, really what I am trying to do is just get the word out. And like I said before, you know, planting the seeds, really having those conversations and challenging parents, you know, not to make it something extra that they have to do, but actually, you know, I think once you start thinking this way and you see the benefit in your children, it just, it changes so much about how you see them being resilient in their everyday life. It actually helps. It helps in those three buckets. You know, all of them need to be equal across the board, your physical fitness, your education, and your mental fitness. And we have, I think, a really important role to play just to simply plant those seeds so that our children can then take it and grow with it even more. So thank you, Chloe, because if I didn't have people like you to help me get out here and talk about this, then it would be a lot harder. So you are are really just me being on here just means the world. I really yeah. appreciate it. I can't wait for your TED talk. Just tell me when and where you <laughs> stage and I will be front row cheering you on. Okay. <laughs> I, I'm going to do one. I'm actually, I am in the works right now. So I'll let you know. I'm oh, really no, honestly, if it's in the city, I want to be there and support you. I'm officially in oh, your gosh. corner. Like you're amazing. You got it. Thank you. And, and one other thing, yes. any boy, um, or any kid stuff, I'm your girl. So you <laughs> yeah. got me on an email, uh, it text, whatever, uh, like three in the morning when you're like, what do I do? Help me. For sure, Chloe, I've been through it. I can tell you, I've been through it. So I'm always here for you. <laughs> I love it. I love to help. Oh, that was fun. And just like that, another episode of the Healthy is Hot podcast. Once again, I am your host with clearly no filter for wild. And if you enjoyed this conversation, feel free to subscribe so you never miss out if you that sucks. Feel free to rate and leave us a comment. And of course, follow us on Instagram at Elvis. And my friends, remember, you'll be a beautiful. I'll see you next week.